Hello, hello, hear ye, hear ye, apologies, so many apologies for the messed up audio that I released earlier. Here is the fixed audio of my excellent interview with Susan Kong. And welcome to the Katie Halper Show. You can find the Katie Halper Show on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, please subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show for bonus content, extra interviews, extended interviews, etc., etc. Also, check out my new podcast with Matt Taibbi called Useful Idiots, which is available on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. You there, Susan? Uh, yes. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. You? Um, pretty good. Good. Well, I, I'm not sure if you're pretty good. We're going to find that out soon enough. But um, Susan, Susan Kong is a professor. She's an associate professor of political science at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. She writes about international labor rights and anti-austerity social movements. She's also a member of the Citywide Leadership Committee of the NYC Chapter of Democratic Socialists of America and a founding member of No. IDCNY, which helped to successfully primary six of eight Republican-aligned Democratic state senators. And she was, up until uh, they decided to endorse Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders, she was a dues-paying member of uh, Working Families Party. Um, I, I also want to announce that people, announce, I want to let people know that you can follow her on Twitter, where her handle is Solidarity, and then it's the female dog uh, word. Are we allowed to say that on the... B-I-T-C-H, I can spell it, right? It's solidarity, B-I-T-C-H, yeah. Now, Susan, you have a lot to say about the Working Families Party endorsement of Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders. In fact, you tweeted that you were canceling your monthly Working Families and sending it to Bernie Sanders instead. I'm quoting you. You said, I did this when they endorsed Cuomo in 2014 and started up again. WFP does some really good work, but I can, can't allow any of my money to go to an unapologetic capitalist candidate. So please tell us what you're thinking and feeling, and reminder, you cannot curse. Okay. Thank you for the reminder. Yes. I'll try to keep it PG. Yes, thank um, you. So I've worked with WFP now um, since about February of 2017 because they were very active in the anti-IDC fight. And the IDC, for your listeners who aren't familiar with the intricacies of New York state politics, they were a group of eight state senators who basically caucus with the Republicans, like not formally, but they basically allow, they gave the majority to the Republicans in the New York State Senate, effectively blocking any interesting progressive bills from being passed for like about a decade. And Cuomo was like really into it because it made him look like the good guy if he could negotiate something through like the, you know, $15 minimum wage, he could take credit for it. But then um, they were sort of bad. And then my state senator became an IDC member right after Trump's inauguration. So I got involved in that. And I quickly hooked up with the, um, the Working Families Party leadership here in New York City, New York State. And, you know, Working Families Party is sort of from New York State, New York City. Um, and they got really, they were very involved and they were excited about this grassroots activism that had emerged post-Trump. And, you know, they were sort of like an institutional player, but it really was the work of a lot of grassroots activists, um, including myself and other sort of organizations that popped up after Trump's victory um, to basically say, the bring to light that, you know, the IDC is really bad for New York. Uh, the, the Working Families Party came with this idea of like the Trump Democrats. Um, and we did like a lot of stuff. We did a lot of early like phone banking so we could get like polling numbers. They could send some donors. We just did a lot. 
for them. Um, and I like would go to WFP meetings and I would talk about the work we were doing. So like I volunteered a lot of my time for the WFP and I, I thought it was totally worth it. Um, and in the end, you know, this coalition was able to help um, defeat six out of the eight IDC senators. And then, you know, after that, a whole bunch of other Democrats got elected in like suburban districts. So the state Senate had like the highest Democratic majority and had in like 100 years, which is ridiculous because New York State is very blue. Right. Uh, but it's, it's because of like the gerrymandering and sort of the, like the deal, the political deal in which Republicans got to draw all the state Senate districts and the Democrats got to draw all the assembly districts. So that was like, I mean, I've been like in the office and like just like speaking to and emailing and like just like very close to the staff for a right. while now. And then they also did a lot of great work for the Tiffany Caban campaign. Right. And I basically like, you know, at various points it's sort of all been in right. WFP Right. Tiffany office. Caban, friend of the show, former guest of the show. Okay. So that's what the great things that the Working Family Party does. And um, they are a, what, what, how, how do they define themselves? They're a grassroots. I mean, te- yeah. Technically, they're considered like a political party. But in New York, we have something called fusion voting in which you can vote for a party yeah. candidate that's part of another party and right. all the votes go to that candidate. But they're not like... Because they typically just endorse Democrats. Right. Um, it's not really like an exit threat. And sure. they're mostly made out of like constituent organizations that include like community organizations like New York Communities for Change, which is formerly ACORN. Um, like Make the Road is part of their coalition. My Own Union is part of the coalition, which right. is a professional staff congress and some other unions. But like Cuomo got mad at them at one point and he told them to take their union. He told unions to stop giving them money. Um, and they have a lot of like sort of other major investors as well. Um, but it's not like DSA. It's not a democratically run grassroots organization in which member votes are all the same. Right. So actually, so tell us about how you learned about the endorsement, uh, their decision to endorse um, Elizabeth Warren, and what, what you think of it. Um, so I actually found out through like group chats that it was happening before the voting even closed, which is not, I guess, that's not something I'm willing to give evidence about, but Mm -hmm. I basically was told by various people that it was going to be Warren before the actual online voting closed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just like, what? So, But like thinking back, the way OpaVote works is that they actually, because it was supposed to be a ranked choice voting, you're supposed to wait, like you're not supposed to be able to get the results until the voting shuts down and then they spit out a report and it's actually publicly available on the open vote webpage and like in DSA because we want to demonstrate that there's always been total transparency in all of our leadership votes they always release open vote reports they tell you exactly the number of votes that each candidate got in each round right um and so it's 50% grassroots votes anybody who donates 10 months 10 dollars a month regularly which that's what i was doing for about 18 months they got a vote and everybody who signed up online got to have a vote um and last time around in 20 15, I believe they had, it was Bernie versus Hillary and the grassroots voted 87% for Bernie and then the leadership voted. And it was like a total 80% of the leadership and the grassroots And they released the numbers for in terms of like the total vote, the grassroots versus the leadership vote. Right. It was like a resounding success. And they made everybody feel really happy because it was like, Oh, the grassroots clearly was important as well. And this time around they're like, Oh, we can't release the vote. Right. And so first of all, like the fact that I was hearing all these rumors, unsubstantiated, and like I said, I'm not going to name any names. And if anybody DMs me, I will also won't name any names. But you but have some inside me, info, uh-huh. Right. People were telling me it's going to be Warren, and here's why. Um, and I was just like, oh, come on. The, the, I was like, that internal vote, I mean, the, the grassroots votes will sway. I just didn't believe it. Yeah. Um, but then, like, when I found out, you know, immediately, 
because I know a lot of the principals, you know, a lot of us were like asking the principals what happened and they were just like, it's the process and we can't release it because it's totally anonymous. But right. of course, we know that that's not true. There's pol- every choice that the organization makes is a political one. And I'm not saying that there's not good reasons, but we're not learning the reasons for why those grassroots votes aren't being released. So it makes us really wonder what really happened. Why are they so reluctant to release it? And I feel like if they said, well, the grassroots voted for Bernie, but the leadership voted for uh, for for Warren, and here's why, then we could be like, all right, fine. That's right. the organization it is. We understand that the leadership took a different position than the grassroots. But, you know, it would be disappointing. But right now, because they refuse to release the information, we're just being told that we're babies. Right. I feel like we're, we're being ga- – those of us who supported Bernie and those of us who are seeing, for example, like if you go to the Facebook page where they announce it on the Working Families webpage, uh, the Facebook page, mm-hmm. you can see the reaction. About 2,500 people made an angry face. Right. About 700 people were like happy or love. Mm-hmm. And another 100 people made a sad face. Another like five, like a few hundred people made like surprise face. Right. right. So, so we know who wins the vote by vast, emoji. Right. <laughs> the vast majority of the, you know, reacts or angry and upset. Right. And then if you look at who looked at this, so each of the Working Families Party candidates for this endorsement, they, they did a one-hour Q&A video. You can see about 2.3 thousand people watched Bernie Sanders' video, and 270 people watched um, uh, Warren's video. Mm. So, like, you know, there's some, like, digital forensics that suggests that there wasn't an overwhelming amount of support from right. the grassroots right. for Warren, but, like, all they have to do is release the vote totals. It's on OvaVote. It's, 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 like, I believe it's stored on their server. And it wouldn't release any information about who voted. Um, so it's, they could just do that to quell all the questions. And, um, you know, but they're not doing that because fundamentally they're, they're making a political choice. And it's really unfortunate to me because I don't think of this as being like, you know, people like uh, Matt Iglesias and, you know, those types are saying there's no difference between them. And some people are yelling at me on my Twitter saying, oh, you know, you just make up litmus tests that are not right. nonsense. But like fundamentally to me, Liz Warren, she went to Washington Square and she argued, talked about the, you know, the triangle, shirtwaist factory fire, right? And she made it seem like women died because of corruption, but women died because of capitalism. Mm. Capitalism is, right, like the owners of the shirtwaist factory, they were just unlucky, but they were just doing what everybody else was doing in this garment district, which was trying to extract as much value as they physically could from all their workers to maximize their profits. Any business school will teach that to people who are looking at making business, making a profit, right? So, like, the problem is not, oh, there's a little bit of corruption and there's a few bad apples, right? The the problem is that the nature of capitalism, which creates incentives for you to treat human beings like they are just any other commodity, Mm -hmm. will lead to human suffering. It will lead to, you know, disasters because it's not like... Oh, and then after the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, there was never any green right. corruption again. No, that's endemic. Right. In, in fact, and and yes, Elizabeth Warren did speak at the on Monday night at the at Washington Square Park. She referred to the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, and in case people don't know, that's where a a fire killed over 140 mostly women, some men too, but mostly women. It was a factory where they made shirtwaists, and it's it's near Washington Square Park, and it was um, predominantly Italian and Jewish immigrants who were working there and yeah lest you think that the and there was there were there were reforms that followed it the two men who owned the factory were acquitted and lest you think there was real change because of that and I'm not minimizing the importance of certain reforms but 
one of them got fined a couple months later for locking people up again in one of his factories. So again, so these people died because they locked the doors. Um, they didn't have safe working conditions. Of course, the owners managed to escape to the roof before, I guess, the, the stairwells collapsed. The, the um, ladders for the, from the fire department didn't reach the top two floors. Uh, it was awful. So people died of smoke inhalation, jumping to their deaths. They were burned alive. But there's all this description of people watching women and men just throw themselves out a window. So, yeah, um, it was interesting that then she, she referred to Francis Perkins, who is a um, kind of reformer who was then FDR's labor secretary. But she didn't refer to, you know, a more radical um, socialist who, who, you know, and there were, there were women who were like that, like um, Rose, Rose Schneiderman and Clara Lemlich. Anyway, so you have a tweet um, that uh, is your pin tweet uh, and it says I'm a I'm Bernie's base an Asian American mom who teaches in a public urban university I have a PhD in political science and I only care about candidate stances on issues 80% of my students majority Latina supported Bernie also because of his message so you were responding to a um, uh, an argument about basically from a feminist Amanda Marcotte Amanda Marcotte yeah, yeah, yeah. who uh-huh. said that um, I'm saying that Bernie Sands know in their heart that their guy's voting base wasn't attracted to substantive issues but just like the charismatic white guy who claimed outsider status that now there's a new guy who was holding down that spot and they are bitter not hard I mean it's hilarious because I didn't know I think that like like and that was about Beto being the new charismatic right, right. guy they couldn't be more but- different I, lo- I love Sanders. I mean, I'm not just saying that, by the way, not to name drop, not just saying that because I interviewed him, which I did, guys, on my uh, new podcast with Matt Taibbi. Um, we, we spoke to him on the phone. I, I offered to run, uh, be his running mate, by the way. Um, yeah, but I think that they're, you know, I, I, I think they're people who make the argument that, yes, they like Sanders more, sure, but they also do think he's much more electable against Trump. And I also think that, you know, uh, you brought up the hawkishness, and um, one of the places that we really, where the president has a lot of unilateral power is in foreign policy, right? Because the president can just yeah. not go to war. You don't, yep. you know, you don't need the, um, lots of people are like, how's this person going to get anything done? Well, you know, when it comes to not going to war, that's pretty easy. You don't need an overwhelming support in the House or, you know, the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were, I believe, Susan, you were saying that um, you felt like you had been gaslit? Um, yeah, because the explanations that I was given, either privately or personally or publicly, were making it seem like their decision, like these different voting totals, was just like totally normal. It was, it was just a matter of process and that, you know, any kind of, you know, response that was negative or critical of this meant that we didn't care about you know, coalition building or that kind of thing, or that we didn't like, you know, women of color, for example, who were leading the organization. And I didn't even know who leads the organization nationally because I don't treat politics like it's, you know, baseball. Like, I don't know what kind of trades are being made. Like, literally, I'm someone who's motivated by various ideological commitments and the desire to see, you know, people's basic needs being met. Congratulations to people who get promotions and their own jobs, but I, I don't pay attention to that. Like, I don't, that's not something that I've ever cared about. Um, I literally only care about, like, is all the suffering that we currently experience under capitalism, are we doing anything about it, and how are we doing anything about it? So the fact that some of these things are being lobbed at critics of WFP on Twitter 
It's really, really disturbing. Yeah. And so talk about more, talk more about, please, the difference between uh, Sanders and Warren and what that would mean. Because um, I, I, you know, obviously Warren says that she's a capitalist to her bones. Sanders doesn't. But what what kind of effects will that have in the real world behind, besides their the way that they frame, frame themselves vis-a-vis capitalism? Well, I mean, just on a very basic level, I don't think that Liz Warren will be able to be, defeat Trump. Uh, right. So, yeah. Like none of none of the national polls suggest that she's a strong enough candidate. Right. She really appeals to a certain kind of voter. Um, like if I didn't have my particular political commitment, she might appeal to me, right? Like a highly educated, professional, right. urban type person. Um, but, you know, because ultimately she's like a product of the meritocracy, mm-hmm. right? Like she's highly educated and she's got like good plans. Right. right. But Except for on healthcare, which she hasn't released yet. Right. Which are terrible. And she also is really bad on the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so ultimately, will people come out for someone who is, a, is like fundamentally like a nice lady technocrat? And I don't, and in a very, a, a very like, you know, elite one. I think the answer is no, right? right yeah. that she'll turn out a certain base, which the Democrats always turn out. And, you know, people like, if I would live in a swing state, I'd probably vote for her. But mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of people who are suffering economically, who are who feel alienated from the system, right? Like if I was a young person mm-hmm. and I'm like, my entire world's going to be covered in water in 30 years, and mm-hmm. the best the Democrats give me is Liz Warren, mm-hmm. I might just stay home, mm-hmm. you know? So I think what we're going to see is a lot of people staying home, a lot of POC, a lot of working class people, a lot of people, because she's just like, even though she's from Oklahoma, she gives off that like, that, you know, that sort of culture war, like mm-hmm. East Coast, Irish Professor. power elitism. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm a professor, so I no, I know, that but we're but not we're saying that people. Yeah, it, the question is whether or not someone reads that way, and whether or not that resonates with certain people. Right, and I, I just don't think that that's a winning strategy. And mm-hmm. we know that Bernie's coalition is the most diverse. It appeals most to the working class people and and to you know working urban communities. Right. We know he has that ability to you know to win in these heartland states. Right. Um. That. Hillary couldn't win, and I don't think that, you know, we're, there's not a lot of evidence that, like, you know, Liz Warren is going to be able to compel people, right? So people might be like, it's going to be like Hillary, like, oh, you know, she's not bad, right. um, but if I have a cold, if the weather's bad, maybe people just don't mm. turn out to vote. Yeah, and so like, she doesn't inspire the same passion, you mean? No, I don't think yeah. so. She doesn't have a movement, um, and I don't know. I yeah. think a lot of people are just going to see some another person who... And I really believe she's going to attack right, to be honest, mm-hmm. if she wins the nomination. So then, like, all the nice things that she said right now, um, you know, ultimately, if you look at her record in her law career, she's defended corporations against people with pensions, against people, you know, who might have health claims mm. to bring against corporations. She ultimately, you want to look at what people do, not what they say. Right. right? And ultimately, she's someone who thinks if you tweak the rules, capitalism yeah. and corporations are making net positives on our society and the people who, who suffer are going to be like, eh, nah, right. I, I'm good. Right? right. And I'm not saying they're going to vote for Trump. Right. But, you know, Trump is facing, you know, he's got a booming economy. He's still got record low unemployment. Um, you know, he's actually, I don't know if you read, but like sympathetic to the GM strikers, that's going to work really well in his favor. Uh, uh, yeah. In, in, you know, in regards to the kind of voters that Bernie would definitely get. Right. right? Exactly, so yeah. he knows what, Trump knows what he's doing, and like to me, you know, Liz Warren doesn't have that sort of like 
like, I don't know, that political, political instincts or yeah, she just doesn't like right. she's really, really smart. And yeah, she's I don't really smart. That she's an amazing teacher. Right. Um, and, and you know, she, she's written great books. Yeah. Right? And but she's done good things thing. on, on, she has taken good positions and she is more progressive, no doubt than Hillary Clinton. Um, but oh, again, yeah. that doesn't mean that she's, um, uh, she's incredibly hawkish though. Um, yeah. like this, which is very disturbing to those of us who know that you can't have like a, you can't do like you know making changes in terms of a sustainable world and like stopping climate change if you're going to have this right. incredible military industrial complex. Like that's one of the biggest right. contributors of, of carbon. Yeah, bes- right. Besides like not liking war. Um, right. Exactly. That other and also issue. we don't like war. Right. We, we yeah. don't like we don't, we don't like imperialism. We don't right. Like exactly. Yeah. Small and children. those things are not good for women if you're a feminist, right? Um, right. They're not. <laughs> no. None they, of those wars, things are great. Wars tend to kill everyone, but they also you know women, children. Lots of rape, lots of uh, bad things happen. Um, tell us m- more about what you're doing and how you think DSA has affected the political landscape. Um, so the DSA has made Bernie 2020 one of its priority campaigns. And right now in New York City, we're doing a lot of voter registration because, as you may know, but your listeners may not know, we have this horrible law that says in order to vote in the primaries in 2020, you have to be a registered Democrat by October 11th. This Democratic Senate tried to pass a law that would allow you to register in like March, but you know Cuomo is not signing it, and he just doesn't want to, doesn't want like this new energized, less energy young people to be able to vote in Democratic primaries. So that's what we're doing. We're talking to people, trying to get them registered to vote, making sure. That's one of the things I did on the Kavan campaign was I informed a bunch of people who voted affidavit whose votes have been rejected by the BOE that they were not actually Democrats, and they were shocked to find that out because. Right. They had gone to the DMV, they had updated their, their voter registration, but they had forgot to check off Make Me a Democratic Party member, so they were unenrolled from the party. Wow. That happened to, like, thousands of people. But, I mean, we're not even saying that we should have open primaries, which I think we should. Like, you could so basically have a baby. <laughs> right. You could conceive a baby and then vote and then, like, immediately later give birth, right? So that that's a little bit extreme in terms of, like, a gestational period for your voter registration to count. Right. And all these people were like, but I registered as a Democrat before I voted for Tiffany Gabon. And I'm like, ah, you registered in March, but you were supposed to register by the pre- previous October, right? right? And they were just shocked. So yeah. our laws are bad. Our laws are, are meant to suppress participation in our in our primary process, um, which is really bad when it's such a majority Democratic state. And that's one of the things that the DSA is doing. Yeah. And the other thing I, I've recently done, and it wasn't the DSA, was I, um, I gave a presentation at the there was a conference that the National Nurses Union put on mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and the topic of the conference was the rise of the right and the threat to democracy. And we, one of the things that we all agreed on, and the nurses had like incredible political analysis, and they all they all knew quite a lot, was that like if we don't elect someone who is critical of capitalism and is at least at minimum a social democrat, like the very future of our democracy is at stake. So mm-hmm. to me, this Working Families Party endorsement isn't just like bad because it was opaque and they're not being honest with their members, but also like them taking this stance actually to me hurts democracy because it's just going to make it more likely for Trump to win another term. And, you know, he jokes, but I don't think he's just joking when he talks about, I'm going to then declare myself a third term, right? Like this is how all this sort of like mealy mouthed, Oh, who's electable sort of, you know, unimaginative strategizing about who we pick as our nominee is going to be like the little, you know, the small steps that allow basically, you know, our democracy to fade away. Because, you know, one of the things that the Economist Intelligence Unit, they downgraded our democracy to a, like a, 
like a low quality democracy in 2017. And they said it wasn't because we elected Trump. It was because Trump was a, merely a, a symptom of our sort of our crappy democracy. And mm-hmm. what happens to people are alienated from our public institutions. They feel that they don't address our needs. They see that the Obama administration did nothing about the financial crisis, didn't prosecute almost anybody who, all the bankers who broke the law, right? Banking continues to be a, a major you know, industry. They continue to make huge bonuses, right? There's been almost no regulation, almost nothing for homeowners in distress. You know, we've had, you know, government shutdowns. Um, and we, you know, we, we know that people feel like they can't trust the government, like Congress is like held in very low esteem. And that and people don't vote, right? Because they, the people who are running, and this is one of the things AOC says, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is that if people don't vote, it's not because they're like stupid. It's because the people who are running don't speak to them and their needs. This is what we're seeing. And if we pick someone like Warren, we're just perpetuating that. Right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for talking to us. Susan Kong, please follow her on Twitter at Solidarity B-I-T-C-H. And she was explaining why she was so angry at the Working Families Party for endorsing um, Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders and also not being transparent about the process. Did I get that right, Susan? Yes. Great. Perfect. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. Great. Bye. Bye bye. You too. Thanks so much for listening to The Katie Halper Show. You can find The Katie Halper Show on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, please subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. The Katie Halper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova. 